Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast, where our goal is to inspire and encourage you with actionable strategies to take you from overwhelmed to confident in your homeschool adventure. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode number 83. This episode is brought to you by my inductive Bible study courses for kids all the way from kindergarten through 12th grade. If you have kids and you're trying to find a Bible curriculum or Bible resource that will teach them how to deep dive into the actual text of scripture, but yet walk them through step-by-step in an easy-to-follow way, then you're going to want to check out our inductive Bible study courses. Did you know that you could try out the first 10 pages of our Book of James self-study workbook? absolutely free. This resource is for grades five through 12, and you can find it at 41more.com forward slash try James. I will also put the link in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 83. Welcome to episode 83. Today, I wanted to chat with you about why homeschoolers are never behind. I've heard from some friends already this school year who are homeschooling for the first time and they feel frustrated because they feel like they're failing their kids. They feel like their kids are not doing maybe as well as they thought. Sometimes there's a little bit of struggle there with the kids who don't want to get their schoolwork done and they just feel like, oh my goodness, we are behind. I want to tackle that myth today. And if you are thinking these things, I might be in your head right now because you might have been thinking the very same thing. But I want you to realize homeschoolers are never behind. Let's tackle this myth and let's come up with some solutions today. So are you ready? Let's jump in. First, I think we need to define what we mean when we say our kids are behind. Behind what? behind a standard grade level that they would have at the public school down the street, you do realize that those grade levels are arbitrary, right? Who is to say that every seven-year-old is going to be at the exact same stage of their reading comprehension, their reading ability, their math ability, their listening skills, I mean, you realize even when you have babies and they learn to walk, they are all at different um, ability levels, and some of them do it really quickly, some of them do it really slowly. I always laugh about potty training because we had four boys right off the bat, and I would hear from mothers of little girls, and they would be saying that their 18-month-old was completely potty trained. And here I was with like a four-year-old or a four-and-a-half-year-old boy who had no interest in leaving his toys behind to go learn how to sit on the potty. He just didn't care. And so I laugh at that, that, you know, kids be, can be wildly different at dif- at the same age, and they all are progressing at their own pace. So when you say they're behind, you, you're probably talking about what you think a standard fourth grader should be doing or eighth grader or 10th grader. But 
Is any child standard? Well, no. Obviously, if you even have one child in your home, you know they are unique. And so, you know, children are going to all be developing at different levels and you are not behind when you're homeschooling. Because what is homeschooling? It's essentially meeting your child where they are, And then helping them progress from there, helping them to learn to love to learn, keeping that curiosity growing, putting wonderful resources in front of them, getting them to love to read and to learn these things naturally. You don't want to squash that love of learning. And so are they ever behind? No, they're not. And so we have to stop using those words because even a child in, say, a fifth grade classroom, there is no standard child. They are all different. And this is why it's hard for a classroom teacher to meet all those children where they are because they're not all at the same place. And so you need to realize that what we what you mean when you say your kids are behind and we need to stop using that terminology the main point here is that no child is standard every child is unique you could be in second grade and you could have a third grade reading level a fifth grade math level like it could be totally you could be way above your actual grade level you could be way below it and and there's probably a mix of everything in between because kids develop at different speeds and different paces We had a really bad situation with a private Christian school treating our dyslexic son as behind. And when we moved to um, a new area many, many years ago, when he was, uh, he had completed first grade, he was going into second grade. And I won't go into all the details, but we had a really bad situation. We had been homeschooling already. I knew this one child had possible dyslexia, had had a situ- reading difficulty, okay? He had trouble. He wasn't reading as easily as his, his older brothers had. And so I knew that there was some struggle there, but I also knew that by homeschooling, we would probably be able to get to the bottom of it. In an unhealthy situation we were in at the church we came to, my husband is a pastor, we ended up putting our children in the local Christian school. And it was one of the worst regrets of my life because I knew from the first moment we went in for the interview that this was not going to help. But for reasons, I'm not going to get into all the little nitty gritty details that were happening at the time in our situation, we ended up putting them in that school. And my dyslexic son, who was going into second grade, we were told he can't go into second grade because they're reading history textbooks at this point, and he's going to have a hard time keeping up. Now, think about that for a second. If I was homeschooling him, would I give him a dry history textbook in second grade and be like, here, this is your history for the day? Oh my goodness, no. We were not doing history that way. We were doing hands-on. We were li- they were listening to the history lesson in the younger elementary years. There was no need to read a history textbook. So already you can see that they're approaching education from such a clinical classroom traditional approach, which is not ideal for kids with learning troubles. The next thing they did, which was even worse, is they put him back in first grade. Okay, this was a huge blow to his self-esteem. And it was doubly worse because they took our perfectly capable child who had finished first grade and said, well, since his brother is being put back, we also need to put him back into kindergarten and make him do kindergarten a second time. I mean, guys, the red flags were all over the place. And it was, I'm just going to say again, it was like the worst, my, one of my worst regrets in my life with how, what we've done with our kids. I, if I could go back, I would totally redo this whole time in our lives. But the second, the other thing they did 
was they said, well, he obviously needs reading help, so he's going to go to a reading tutor every day. So what does that do to a, a young child? Obviously, it singles him out as, well, you're dumb. You have to go get help. He missed the phonics instruction in the classroom, which would have been helpful to get his grade level phonics instruction, right? And they sent him off to a tutor, which was basically doing what I could have done as a homeschool mom. What is homeschooling? It's one-on-one. It's tutoring. And so this was just a horrible situation for the two years our kids were in this Christian school. And I'm not downplaying Christian schools. I went to a Christian school my whole life. I know my parents sacrificed for that education for me uh, way back in the 80s. And I know it was a big investment. But I'm just going to say, when you have kids, even the ones with learning troubles, you can homeschool them and you can be more effective in helping them get through their struggles more than a classroom teacher can. Look, even with this big bucks uh, tuition, Christian school, they were not able to replicate what I could have done at home. And so I just want to use my mistake and our mistake in doing this, um, putting the kids in this situation because we felt um, a bit of pressure to do it at this time with the church we went to. It was an unhealthy situation. And it was one of the worst things I've ever done. So I want you to realize, even for a kid with a learning struggle, you don't have to put them in a school. They're not going to be behind. My son would have eventually learned how to read. And he has. He's caught up now that we've been back to homeschooling. And he's able to deal with it. And in high school now, he really does use audiobooks a lot because it's just easier for him to listen than to just um, do the reading. But there are ways around it. And I want you to realize that you're never behind. And don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, my kids need the professionals to help them. No, a parent that cares can do way more than a so-called professional in the classroom. And I also say this as a former classroom public school teacher, there's no way I could have met the all the needs of 30 kids in my class who were there for 50 minutes and then the class is switched. And then I got a new group of 30 kids. There's no way that a classroom teacher who's only human can do what a loving parent can do in the home. So let me recap a little based on our experience with a a child who is so-called quote unquote, air quotes, behind. Why is homeschooling crucial for that child who is behind? Well, I've already mentioned because you have a one-on-one approach. This is what schools try to replicate and they can't do it as well as you can. Sitting with a child one-on-one means you, you see automatically if they get it or not. You're able to tailor your approach to help that child one-on-one. You can meet them where they are without the anxiety of the classroom. I also know of young kids who have some struggles in school and they have anxiety going to school every day. If you don't want that for your kids, then homeschooling is an amazing opportunity because they're at home. They don't have to feel the pressure or the bullying or any of these things based on their needs. You know, you don't have to, your kids don't have to be singled out as special or dyslexic or learning disabled or whatever. You can take your time to set a strong foundation in phonics, reading, and math. Whatever your kids need extra time on, you can spend that time when you're homeschooling. You know, in a regular school environment, they're they're always quickly moving on to the next thing because you have a group of, you have a classroom of 15 to 30 kids, depending on the grade level. And you can't have anyone just twiddling their thumbs. Everyone needs to be constantly busy. So your child might need that extra time to linger on a concept or to practice a concept. 
But you know, with all the bells and whistles in school, there is no time. We have to quickly line up. We have to put our stuff away. We have to move on to the next thing. And so when you're homeschooling, you can have the time to set that strong foundation. And then finally, I feel like homeschooling is crucial for a child who is quote unquote behind because you can choose curriculum that is mastery based rather than grade level based. Remember I said those grade levels are arbitrary. So if you feel like, wow, my child is supposed to be in sixth grade and he's not, you know, he's behind sixth graders. Well, what does that even mean? You can choose a curriculum that is based that you take step by step based on if your child understands the information and then you move on. All about spelling is an example of this kind of curriculum and I will link in the show notes, but we tried so many spelling curriculums over the years before we landed on All About Spelling. And the graded spelling curriculums are number one, full of tons of busy work, and number two, random spelling lists and, you know, kind of silly words sometimes, silly activities that aren't really teaching them the, the foundations of phonics and why we spell the way we spell. But the other thing about All About Spelling is it's not based on your grade level. So in this curriculum, You don't pick level one when you're in first grade and you don't pick level four when you're in fourth grade. Even my dyslexic son, who was quite a bit older, went all the back all the way back to level one, because that's what you do. You start at the foundational level with any subject. And then once you understand it, you move to level two and then to level three. And you might be able to get through several levels in one year. Um, My daughter is in second grade this year, but she's in level three of spelling because she's progressed and that's what she can understand. So I think you need to find curriculum that doesn't, isn't pegged for a certain grade level, but it takes your kids through learning the foundations and then it's mastery based. Once they master the concept, they move on to a harder concept. And that's where I feel like homeschoolers are never behind if that's how you're learning. So I want you to take that into account when you're choosing your curriculum. Okay, as we wrap up here, let's talk about some action steps and some solutions. If you're one of the homeschoolers that's saying, you know, my kids are behind, I feel like I'm failing them. Well, let's talk about what to do if your child is struggling, because you're probably saying that because you have had a bad day or a bad week, you feel like things aren't going as smoothly as you had hoped. So let's talk about some questions to ask us, try to troubleshoot your situation. So the first thing I would do in that case, if you feel like my child's behind, they're struggling, I would ask if the curriculum is working for you. Is the curriculum the problem? Don't ditch curriculum immediately because some things do take time. You might need a few weeks to see if it's a good fit. But after a little bit of time, if it's clearly not a good fit, you need to give yourself permission to switch it out. Not every curriculum is perfect for everyone. Even if your favorite podcaster or blogger or friend has recommended a curriculum, it might not be perfect for you. The second thing I would say is don't overdo it. You know, math is not worth it if after 30 minutes, everyone is in tears. Maybe you're trying to do too much. Don't even do a full lesson according to your curriculum. Just do a smaller chunk every day. As long as you're progressing forward, you'd be amazed at the amount of progress you can make, even with 10 consistent minutes a day in that subject area. So don't feel like, oh, we have to do the complete lesson. We have to do every equation. We have to do everything this curriculum says for one day. You certainly do not. And maybe you're overdoing it. Number three, I would say work on problem areas specifically and lighten up on all your other expectations. So if your child is having trouble with reading comprehension, 
I would peel back and start with narration. What is narration? I'll link to a narration cheat cheat sheet in the show notes. Basically, it's just having your child tell back what you just read. So instead of worrying about specific comprehension questions that comes with a curriculum, maybe instead read them the story and then just say, hey, what what did I just tell you? Can you tell it back to me in your own words? This is a way to start out with comprehension in a very much more gentle way. And then you could move on to more specific questions. Once again, in math, if your child's having trouble, don't expect them to do 30 equations a day. Have them do a couple and show you that they understand it. And so work on their problem areas in a much more light way. And then also don't bother doing every subject every day. If there's some struggle going on, focus on the ones that need your attention and lighten up on your expectations. Number four, keep your child's passion to learn alive. Don't school it out of them because you feel like you have to complete every worksheet in the curriculum or check off every box. Remember, it's not about doing the curriculum. It's not about finishing the program. It's about raising kids who are lifelong learners and who love to learn. So if you've seen the spark of of life, of loving to learn go out of them, it could be that you're doing too much of school at home and you need to go back to curiosity and loving to learn and what do, what are they passionate about and how can we take their passions and fuel that I'm going to link to a interview I did with Connor Boyack of Passion Driven Education he's also the author of the Tuttle Twins uh, books and podcasts and he has an amazing philosophy about how we can just really harness harness our kids passions in their education so check the show notes for those links and finally you know, you can be sensitive to your child's struggles while still helping them to learn perseverance. Sometimes our kids whine because, you know, they they know that if they whine enough, we'll we'll say, "Yeah, you don't have to do school." My kids even do this to me still. We you know, we have quite, you know, solid expectations of of getting getting their assignments done every day. But my even my kids sometimes try to whine a little and get out of some subjects every day. And then, you know, if I cave to them, they realize, oh, I just need to whine a little bit and mom's going to let me get away with not doing all my work. So, you know, not everything in life will be fun and games. Obviously, you don't want them to hate homeschooling. If they do, there's a problem. But, you know, they need to also learn not to quit every day. Every time something is hard, there's a delicate balance between keeping learning natural, enjoyable, and also realizing that they still need to do their schoolwork that you assign. So there's a balance between that passion-driven and that, you know, if you're taking an unschooling approach or child-led approach or looking at what your kids are interested in and trying to help them explore those areas, but there are still going to be things they probably need to work on and they have to accomplish, right? Things even that your state requires, and it might not be fun. Um, So there's a balance there. And I think some of that goes to our parenting and, you know, how much are kids listening to us and are, you know, really realizing that we're serious when we say this is what you need to get done this week. So that there's a little bit of a parenting issue that I think sometimes we need to look at and also helping our kids learn that just when things get hard doesn't mean you can quit. As a kid, I was taking piano lessons and very early on, I remember different days where things were hard and I cried and I just wanted to quit. My mom never let me quit. And you might think, oh, that's a terrible, harsh mother. But I have thanked her over the years so much that she never let me quit because over the years when things were hard, I did want to quit. 
but I took lessons my entire life. I was able to take lessons in college. I was an accompanist in our, the fine arts department at our university. I teach piano lessons. Like I, I'm a published arranger. I have done many things with this piano, um, gift that I've been given. And I always say to my mother uh, over the years, I've always said, mom, thanks for not letting me quit. Because that is the the typical kid thing is to complain when things get hard. And she taught me perseverance by saying, no, like you're not going to quit. You're going to keep going. And sometimes I feel like even with homeschool, this is the, this is the application we need to take as parents of, we need to teach our kids a bit of perseverance because that character trait is much more important than the math concepts at that point, isn't it? Some of it comes down to character development with our kids. So I just want to end by saying your, your kids are not behind. As long as you're taking them where they are and continuing to, to progress and to get better and to improve, as long as you can see an upward trajectory over time, they're not behind. Don't compare them to another kid their age. Don't compare them to what you think that grade means in school. They're not in school. As long as you're, you know, completing the requirements of your local, of your state laws regarding homeschooling, I think you're free to make sure your kids are progressing at their pace, at their level, at their ability, and keeping that love of learning alive. So, don't fret, homeschool mom. You can do it. Doesn't mean every day is going to be rosy. It's definitely going to be difficult some days. But work through those questions I, I mentioned here in the podcast to see where the main issue is and see if that doesn't help your homeschooling. Make sure you also double check and listen in on my free workshop, 10 Truths to Crush Homeschool Burnout, which you can find at 41more.com forward slash burnout, because I know that when you're struggling with the feeling of being behind, some of it can be burnout, even if you're only one month into homeschooling. It's seriously true. So check out that free workshop to get yourself grounded and your mindset. Some of it's mindset too, right? Could be your kid's mindset, could be your mindset as a homeschool mom. So check out that workshop. Hey, you can find a lot of links I'm going to put in the show notes that I hope will be a help to you during this time. The show notes are at 41more.com forward slash 83. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling. <laughs>